0: So I became one of the highest ranking members of the Mexican gang. I was feared in prison. I was feared outside of prison. I did horrible stuff to people for respect and power. But in the end, I was left with the final consequences. Real life starts now. This is
1: Hi, this is Evangelist Don Lay. Welcome to The Real Life Radio Show, where we're gonna talk to real people who had real problems, but found answers in a real God. Lately, we've been talking about the realities of being a top gang leader and what it does to the soul of a man. I've heard some say that evil is just a social construct, that there is no evil or good, just perspective. But I personally would disagree with that. Let me show you why. In our last show, we had Michael Ochotarina explain to us his story of how he became the captain of a top Mexican gang in his area. And it was scary what he told us. Now, listener discretion is advised as the contents of this show have violence and depict disturbing topics. Michael told us how his father left his family to do his own thing, like drinking, partying, things like that. And when Michael was only two, he was raised by his mother and grandmother and he grew up with a lot of hatred and anger because in his life, all he wanted was the love from his father. And when the moment came on his father's birthday where he gave his dad a gift, his dad threw it in the street, yelled at him and his family why they have to always bother him. He was heartbroken. But out of that birth, a new level of anger and hatred, so much that he was always super violent. He told us he knew that his father was respected because of how big and bad he was. He figured, If he could become bigger and badder, maybe one day his father would love him. So he became so bad, joined a gang, and was willing to do anything to be the biggest, baddest gangster that ever lived. Michael, welcome to the show again. How are you doing? Michael, man, I'm doing good. It's incredible, really, to have you on the show again. And the fact that we're talking, it's amazing, because I'm sitting here after hearing what I heard, and I can't believe I'm interviewing the same man. And you're a changed man. Oh, yeah. Which I want to hear how. But first, tell me the story of the day you became the captain of the gang. Like, you got there really fast. And I understand you were doing things, like, really scary things. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you felt that day?
0: Yeah. I spent most of my life in and out of correctional facilities. Okay. As a teenager, I was in and out of juvie. Then I later moved up to... Did it help you to stop? Um, no. Let me tell you the story about prison and juvie. People think it's rehabilitation, Mm. but most of the time it's you becoming a better criminal. Why? In prison, it's kill or be killed. Let's just say it's a whole different world. Like if you go in there thinking you can be by yourself and do your time and you be left alone, you're in for a shocker. Wow. Because in there you click up, which means you're separated by race. I became a racist oh, in prison man. because if you're brown, you hang out with the Mexican gangs. Mm. If you're black, the black gangs, white, the white gangs, and so forth. Wow. And if you don't click up, you have no protection.
1: Okay, same.
0: It's really bad in there. It's a different story than when you watch it on TV, let's say that. Right. I rose quick because I did whatever I was told, just like I did when I was in the street gang. Okay. And that included hurting people really bad, doing horrible, horrible stuff. Like what?
1: Like what horrible stuff? I mean, you know.
0: I was one who collected fingers. Oh, wow. If you didn't pay up, if you were snitching, if we were doing something, I'd cut your finger off.
1: Okay, that's pretty scary. Now, I understand you're getting into drugs yeah. to kind of enable this. What kind of drugs... Were are you getting into in this gang life?
0: So even in prison, you can get drugs easily and readily. Wow. And people don't realize that. It's so easily there for people. It's so readily available. I started off with cocaine. Mm. Cocaine then just didn't do it for me. And eventually I moved into heroin. Wow. And heroin was my mistress for many, many years. I was a womanizer, but more important than being a womanizer, heroin was my mistress.
1: Wow. So drugs and women, like everywhere, like anytime, wanted, whoever, whatever. It was like you were respected.
0: Yeah. When you're a drug dealer, when you have drugs readily available, you can get anyone you want. Wow. Women flock to you. Friends you think are friends flock to you. Wow. And truthfully, they're just there for what they want and what they can get.
1: Now, what do you think the drugs did for you? Like, you know, what did heroin and all that cocaine do? Is it just trying to make you feel invincible or what was it doing to you?
0: Made me feel invincible, made me feel powerful. Mm. It dulled the pain. The pain of what? The pain of just everything I was going through. Yeah, I said I didn't care. I loved it, whatever. But you still see people crying for mercy, mm. begging for their lives, and it's still there for you. I see. It's still the pain of my father, still the pain of everything I was going through. I oh. blamed on everybody else but myself and my own decisions.
1: Wow. Now. I understand though, there is a point in your life often where you kind of flipped over and probably the drugs helped you this, but then you actually started enjoying people crying out for mercy, where there was a state of your mind and heart that allowed yourself to take desire in that. During this time, was there any compassion in you at all? Or what was going on through your mind and heart during that time?
0: I had to say probably not because I felt power was and fear was my twisted sense of love. Mm. When people respected me and people feared me, I felt people loved me. And that's not the fact. You can't equate love with fear ever. And I know that now.
1: Of course. We know that now. But at that time, that's what you thought.
0: Yeah. In that time, I was really wrong. And I loved when people shook in fear and terror. I loved when they begged, don't hurt their relatives or family members. Mm. Because if they didn't pay me what they owed me, I would attack people they loved. I was ruthless.
1: Whoa. So you are ruthless. Now, how did all this change for you? Because you had everything you thought you wanted. You were one of the most respected people, one of the most feared people. You had serious power, had girls, drugs. What became the problem then?
0: You get tired of the life. It becomes Groundhog Day. I don't know how to explain it more than Groundhog Day. You live the same life over and over and over again. Mm. It's a struggle to get all that you've attained to keep it. Because there's always someone bigger Whoa. and better than you. Someone always ready to take your spot. You start realizing these people don't care about me because I had two heart attacks doing drugs, speedballing. Oh, my Mixing gosh. cocaine with heroin. I OD'd. They said they found me in alley. I don't know how I got to the hospital. Dang. But your friends that you think are your friends, they're going to leave you when it comes down to you and them. They thought I was dead. They would have caught a charge. They left me in an alley.
1: Oh my gosh. Because they thought you would
0: confess like in the hospital kind of thing. Yeah. Or that I would die and they'd be accused of murder. Oh, my God. So the people you think are going to be there for you in the worldly life and this life, trust me, they're always going to watch their own back. Mm. And I started realizing that I started getting tired of it. I started getting tired of waking up to a different woman every single day. Mm. I got tired of chasing that drug. I got tired of having to rob for my own grandmother who raised me and loved me because this drug overtook my life.
1: And even though you had a heart attack, like you couldn't stop, right? It was so strong. This pull, the drugs on you. Tell me a little bit about that.
0: It's just the drugs are so strong. They, they take over your life. You feel like everything you're chasing is for that drug. Oh. Everything you're doing is for that drug. And if you don't have it, you feel sick physically, mentally, everything. Damn. This drug overtakes you. It becomes your number one passion. And I just got tired of that. Mm. I got tired of caring just about that. I got tired of being by myself because I thought I had all these friends and I realized I didn't really have friends. They were just after Mm. what they wanted. You get tired. And I got to that reaching point where I was tired.
1: Let's stop there, Michael, because this is amazing how you felt so empty while you had what the world would say, everything in your realm. Now, I want to have you on our next show to talk about how you had become a truly changed man. Brother, thanks so much for joining us. And again, folks, listen, you can go and see Running the Bases. He plays one of the antagonists in the movie. Very scary scene in the prison. You will see him. You'll see he's got a huge tattoo, many tattoos on his face, but specifically one that signifies that he's the leader of the gang. And you'll recognize what I'm talking about right away. (laughs) And you definitely got to go check out that movie because that movie really is a powerful movie and really life-changing. Hang on, the show isn't over yet. I have some deep thoughts to share with you right after the break. Hey guys, it's me again. Let me be real and upfront with you. People are calling in and getting saved and set free by the power of the gospel that is preached on this show through powerful testimonies. I remember one night I was working the phones and a man in about his 30s called in. He was a business owner who was addicted to cocaine and he was living in California. He said he was driving and he heard our show about a former drug addict. And he felt convicted that he wasn't living his life right. And he gave his life to Jesus that very night. To me, this is a powerful reminder that God is moving through this real and raw show to touch the lives of others. Will you help us reach other cities all across America? You may be able to donate maybe $5 a month, maybe 10 of so maybe 25 maybe more. Anything helps. Help us to spread the gospel to America as we are believing for a great harvest of souls for the kingdom of God in this time and in this era. But we can't do it without you. Don't just sit there. Go to awakeningthenations.com and join the movement to get these testimonies to help others. More real life starts now. Welcome back to the show. We're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? I think when we hear about horrible evils like how Michael used to live, we really don't want to hear about it. I mean, sometimes we don't really want to think about those things either. However, we need to know the truth about these things. I remember when I was in university when I was an atheist, many of my friends and I believed that there was no evil, and that good and evil were just relative to whoever interpreted it. That there was no universal law, only perceptions of good and evil. No absolute truth. But after you hear a story like what Michael was doing, you start to realize that there is evil in this world. But where is all this coming from? Is it just evil people that we need to throw away from our society? I believe not. You see, evil starts off in the beginning of our lives. There's a deep-seated evil in all of us. The Bible calls this our sinful nature. But when certain things happen in our lives, events, unfulfilled needs, our actions and beliefs can be thwarted into a very bad path. And the path of the world is always for us to become more evil people. Michael was chasing to become the biggest, baddest gang leader of all, willing to do anything to get into that place. He desired to be feared. He desired the power, the woman, the drugs. And where did it lead to? Well, ancient writings says in 1 John two sixteen through 17 For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Even Michael understood this in his life, that it all led to emptiness. He had everything, yet he had nothing. His soul and heart was blackened out and he could no longer enjoy life. Where are you at in your life, my friend? Yes, maybe you didn't do this lifestyle like Michael, but maybe the ways of the world, the wanting of something you don't have, the wanting more money, more power. Beloved, all these things are passing away, is what the Bible says. But he who does the will of God abides forever. And what is his will? His will is for you to know him through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, I'm sensing there's someone right now who's saying, Gosh, I don't really know what's going to bring me fulfillment. So Lord Jesus, we receive you right now. We repent of our sins, and we ask for you, the Lord of heaven, to come into our lives and to bring the true fulfillment we're looking for instead of chasing after the things of this world. We ask for this in Jesus' mighty name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony, and I know that your life was touched.
0: If you have a testimony to share or know someone who does and would like to share it on our show, go to AwakeningTheNations.com and click Guest Audition on the top menu. See you next time.